Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, directed by Martin McDonough and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Several months after her daughter's murder, a mother spurs the local police into action using three roadside billboards. So um, now we're going to do a little spoiler-free section, let you guys know if you should see the movie like we've been doing lately. So, Melissa, do you think people should see three billboards? Um, yes, but I have some caveats on that. Okay. Um, I did find it quite hard going. There are some serious – there's, like, serious use of slurs. So if, that, if you find that difficult or triggering, I would – like, that might be um, problematic for you. And also you do have to watch some – People make some very bad decisions, but it, it is very well made and well acted. Um, it's really heavy-handed, like really heavy-handed in its messaging. Um, but it is, but I don't want to like pick on it too much for that because I feel like it's trying. Like it's trying really hard to be a really good movie for the times that we live in. But it, it is a little heavy-handed in the way that it delivers that message. I don't know. I think most people should see three billboards. Um, I think there's a, probably not too many people that it's going to upset a lot. I think there are some people that it'll upset a lot and you yeah. might want to avoid that. But I think for the most, for, for the most part, it's not too rough. And a lot, and the thing about the slurs and all that sort of thing is it's sort of, um, because it is, you know, a very much a message movie and that sort of thing those things aren't just taken lightly. They're like they're pointed and there's a reason for them and they're, it's to show hypocrisy of characters and it's to show that, you know, the problems with the society that they're living in and how people get caught in these cycles of bigotry and that sort of thing. It's mm. So to me that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, um, I should probably speak slightly more plainly, I guess. I, it, it is very much a movie about like the white working class and what's happened to the white working class in America and in other parts of the world. And I, I don't know, I find these movies hard, I think because I grew up in the white working class. And so I kind of, it felt a bit like heavy handed in Hollywood to me. But that said, the message that it has is good. And it is like, and, and I think it's a good movie to see and it'll, it'll make a lot of people think. Yes, I think it will make a lot of people think, and that's why I think most people should see it. And um, the stuff where they use slurs and things is just to point out that the main characters are hypocrites and that right. they are, like, they are perpetuating these bigoted messages and they're doing – they are themselves biased against people. Right, and they – and A whole variety of different people. They are ableist and, and without, they are racist. Right, and, and without going too far into spoilers – that's kind of like it, that's why I found the movie kind of hard going is because you do just see people over and over again make really like hurt hurt people hurt people yeah. kind of thing. You see people who have been hurt very badly make very bad decisions that lead to other bad decisions that have far reaching consequences that are terrible. And that in that sense, it's hard work because it's hard to watch that. But at the same time, it's well done. Yeah, I would say that too. But I, I just wanted to put that kind of disclaimer on the message about the slurs and things because mm. you could take that if you're just listening to this little spoiler free section as like oh no they're going to you know um it's going to be because that's i feel like in bruges which is martin mcdonough's other film does a lot of that stuff much with much less self-awareness yeah and people think that movie is hilarious and we i did just not like in bruges. no I, I really hate that movie we watched that movie you and i the same night we watched the halle berry Catwoman. 
And everyone we were with, including us, liked Catwoman better than In Bruges. Yeah. Um, and people really love that. And I'm just like, oh, it's awful. But this mm. one, it's much more kind of. And maybe it is just because it's like I think I felt much also, heavier in its. Hem- yeah. I also felt some discomfort in the fact that like it was white people making them, white middle class people making the movie and starring in the movie. Like there are black yeah. characters, but they have very small roles considering and, and I think that I had a bit of discomfort with that as well. Yeah, I would have liked to um, – I, I wanted to mes- um, mention that as well later, but but I just want to make it clear for the movie in terms of like using slurs and using that kind of inflammatory language that it's definitely doing it to a specific purpose mm-hmm. that is not to degrade people who, who are different? Yeah, and and the, you do. So, um, and when they come, you're you you are shocked, and you're meant to be shocked. Mm. So I think I think obviously you know people will figure that out for themselves. I just, um, it is quite hard going. It is hard Same going. Time. It is, yeah. It was less hard going than I thought it would be, because I really braced myself for this movie. So maybe I just didn't. But to me, that also lessened the effect of the movie. So we should probably get into spoiler territory now so we can explain all of these stuff, but mm. all of these comments. But, yeah, for me it just wasn't as hard going as I th- – I mean, it wasn't as hard hitting as I thought it would be and it wasn't yes. like as, as – there weren't those moments that really shocked me the way that I thought they I, would. Yeah, I was honestly the same. But, yes, let's get into spoilers. So um, if, you, if you haven't already <laughs> and you haven't seen it and you want to see it, when we say, yeah, go see it, we'll start spoilers talk now. Yeah. I think for me the most shocking moment in the movie was when Sam Rockwell beat up Caleb Landry Jones. Yes. And that was a great scene too. The way that they shot that scene was great. The single shot up the stairs and all that mm, sort of stuff. The way the camera followed him and the camera seemed to like – he was lumbering up the stairs because he's a drunk and mm. I don't know if he put on weight for the role or he's just mm. he was carrying lots of baggage, like literal baggage as well, and it lumbered with him up the stairs. And he had a specific walk and physicality for this movie as well, Sam Rockwell. He did yeah. a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the whole thing's kind of from his perspective and it that was very shocking. But that's the only time in the movie that I really felt that. Um, there were a couple of moments when Mildred did things that I was just like, why bother with this scene? Like, is this just to show that she's a – pain in the butt because I don't understand what else especially the one at the high school I just was like this is not really well I I don't know that makes sense like there had to be something where she embarrassed the remaining child in front of his friends but I didn't I thought that was just like she did also beating up children children yeah like that's Um, not really and helpful to anybody yeah and I also feel like she wouldn't like nothing else in this movie suggests that she would do that I would I they were go- she had her, her knee the children in the crotch because of the shock value, but I think probably it would have been more realistic for her character to kind of like blow up and yell at them or something. Yes, because she is very – she turns very caring at certain moments in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like flicking a switch with the deer and when um, – The ex-husband. And the, the ex-husband and when Woody Harrelson has his consumption fit, mm. those are all moments when she flips the switch and becomes very caring. And it seems to me like she wouldn't do that to children she doesn't know. Mm. As the person that we have come to know and like the tender moments as opposed to the – she up until that point has only gone after people who really deserved it. Mm and who were capable of making their own decisions. Mm. And that to me was really like, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a teacher and I just think that's 
not right. But to me, that was the moment when I was like, this is, uh, this feels like it's just for shock value and yeah. just to show that she's no, really tough. You no know, one else who is assaulted in the movie is, is a character that we've never met before. Like everyone else, mm. we, like we never met these kids. We don't know them. We don't, they're not, they just chuck a thing at her car, which is, which sucks. And she would definitely have got angry about it and embarrassed her kid. Absolutely. But yeah, we don't know these kids. No. There's no setup for that. And, and she is, yeah, she assaults children at their school. And there's no consequences for that either. It feels like it's from a different movie. It's just there's nothing, no follow-up to that. That was really wrong to me. There's There's follow-up for the thing at the dentist, which was self-defense. But there's no follow-up for this. Yeah. Like, that's terrible to me. I just got really – And that was on my mind for the rest of the movie. It frustrated me. Of course, we do escalate from the dentist to, like, throwing Molotov cocktails at the police station. But, like – but even that has a that's a that's a consequence of something that she thinks has happened. Right. She thinks that the police set the well somebody who was in the police and I don't even know mm. she doesn't know if he got fired, does she? No, I don't think she does at that point. Right. So the the police stuff is to her retaliation for something that she thinks yeah. they did to her. Yeah, no, actually she does know because the new police chief goes and talks to her, but I was in the bathroom for that bit, so That's I don't know right. what at the end of he but said. No, but he he doesn't tell her that he fired Sam Rockwell, no, and no. Sam Rockwell wasn't the new police chief. No. So there's no reason for her to think that, He's been as fired. far as I know, no. to think that Sam – in fact, I think she might have still thought Sam Rockwell was working for the police when he came and talked to her. Mm. Like, there's – I don't think we ever get – see her being told that he was fired. Mm. And she never talks to Caleb Landry-Jones again, and he would have been able to tell her that, but yeah. Because he was in a hospital room with him. Right. But he doesn't know that he got fired either. We don't no, we don't we don't see him say it exactly, do we? No. No. But a small town like I mean, in a small town like this, she probably would know. Yeah, she probably would, but I think it would have an impact. I feel like mm. it would have an impact on the story as to whether or not she knows he's still a cop. You would. Because I wondered that. that right through. I wondered and that then, when they were having their conversation on the swings, which echoes the earlier conversation right. that she has with Woody Harrelson. I was wondering if she knew that he wasn't a cop anymore because I didn't couldn't tell. Yeah, and he's not in uniform, and she and then she, you know, she invites him on her road trip at the end. But she, he turns in his badge after that. He could have been using it the whole time. Yes, he could have, or he could have really but lost he, it. And it's he, hard to tell. And he doesn't like he knocks on her. He doesn't flash it when he knocks on her door. No, but anything. he, but he doesn't. Also, doesn't. That's the thing. It, it you don't know whether or not she knows that he's not a cop mm. anymore. And um, it's hard to tell, like. It's a small town, so gossip travels quickly. It's hard to tell exactly how small it is. But yeah. I I don't know. I feel like she would have found out on the town grapevine. But yes. that said, she is pretty ostracized by this point. That's also true. But, yeah, it, the, the, the throwing the soda thing, the, mm. the retaliation was so much uh, – It was um, – Disproportionate? Yeah, it was so disproportionate. There's something that I was going for there and I can't remember. The punishment doesn't match the mm. crime at all, no. right? She kicks children in the crotch for throwing soda at her car. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as opposed to setting fire to the police station in retaliation for setting them setting fire, fire to her to billboards, her billboards mm. is not – is maybe a little disproportionate but not at the, to the same level at all, mm. especially since she doesn't think there's anybody in there. Mm. Like there's no kind and of – We see her do her due diligence to try and check that there's someone in there because she rings the yes. police station on two different numbers and he doesn't notice and yeah. Because, yeah. Anyway, well, that was it, frustrating It's utterly thing. unrealistic. He would have heard after the first one. Yeah, that's the funny thing about this movie as well is that the 
balance between realism and unrealism that kind of it's trying to strike is not quite like there's so much coincidence and there's so much which was why I think Yeah, why is Peter Dinklage in town at two in the morning when she's there throwing Molotov cocktails at the police station? Like he just shows up to save Sam Rockwell or to put out the fire on Sam Rockwell. He lived around the corner and he heard it is what's implied. He's I don't know. He's kind of like dressed and right there. He yes. timed it. Anyway. But but he lived. He said she was at my place around the corner. He came around the corner. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it seemed like he was around the corner and awake and heard it. Um, yeah, and that but really, that's it's it's also convenient. All, yeah, and there's also like really dumb decisions, like Zelko Ivanek's character calling Sam Rockwell after he's been fired to say, "There's a letter for you from the chief," and then to say, "You've still got your keys to the station house. Just come in at night time after everyone's not here." And uh, and leave the keys. It'll save us driving out to collect them. Like, what's he going to lock up? What? Well, none of <laughs> That's that. My first thought. So, well, you can lock this house and go outside without having your keys on you. A whole but police station without having keys on you. It's a pretty small town. But that's not the like. If he's got to drive out there and collect the keys anyway, why not drive out and drop off the letter? Yes. Like, why would you and. This town this small, like just like ring and you don't even have need to ring and say that. No, like, that it was just, a convenience thing. The, the whole thing was, so, and you could hear the audience around us going, "Oh my god, that's such a dumb idea!" Yeah. Just it was so stupid. Yeah, and but Jelko Ivanek's character in this movie is stupid, right? But it was <laughs> like, but it's it convenient, too stupid, and like too over the top. Yes, it's convenient. I think the problem is that it's a convenient. Kind of, oh, the writers needed this next thing to happen, so they did it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what it kind of stank off to me. Not that it was a dumb decision, because he was painted as not very bright, but because it was not that too, dumb. But it's, it's, yeah, it's the fact that it's too convenient. It, it's mm. what's needed to set up the next thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah, no, it, it doesn't come organically from the characters. It's no. just the next thing to happen. Um, like it's in the same category as the kicking school kids in the crotch. Yes, and the, but also things like she happens to live in a house where she can see the three billboards from her house. Well, I, I see. I thought that was actually poetic because it means that the daughter was murdered within sight of home. Yes, and I think that's deliberate. But then we don't also don't find out that she was murdered there till later or not. I mean, everything is so. We find it out pretty early on, though. It's always it's also neatly tied into other things. Yeah. The daughter was murdered near these billboards where she, and then and she can see them from the home. house. And, and the, like, and this movie, because it's so heavy handed, the, her dad was a domestic abuser. And so she, it's, it's about how, you know, women not being safe in their home and out of their home. Her, her, the girl, the daughter's dad, daughter's, the right. ex-husband yeah, is the an abuser. And so she was murdered right near home, but you know, it may have easy, may just have as easily have been her mother being murdered in her home. Yeah, like it was very – it's all very heavy-handed and all yeah. neatly packaged up for people. Um, yeah. I I mean, for the most part, I didn't mind that so much, but there is this, these things of convenience that makes it unreal when it's trying to be a very realistic story. And I think yep. that's, that's a problem that I just have with Martin McDonough's work a lot. Like I just don't – really like him that much as a director no but i like this story a lot yes i just feel like it's maybe a little just could be done a little better yeah i would have liked it d- done with a lighter touch but that said it's a bit actually reminds me a little bit of um what's the chris pine one from last year also about the white working class the one with the oh, oh, banks. hello high water yeah it reminds me a little bit of that actually in in that sense of like having a slightly 
being a bit heavy-handed in in this treatment yeah. of this subject. Yeah, um, and, you know, just a couple less shots of the three billboards, a couple, just a little less of everything, um, and a slightly lighter touch would have suited it, I mm. think. Um, having said all that. Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell are so good in this movie, like insanely good in this movie, mm. to the point where a lot of the time I just didn't care about things that weren't working properly because they were so crazy good. Like the scene with her and the priest in oh, the house. Oh, my God, yes. That, she should win an Oscar for that scene. Mm. Like that was so good. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the unreality of it is why I think at the end of it I was like, oh, it's a superhero origin story. Right. Because <laughs> they I, go off to, you know, possibly enact vigilante justice and I was like, it's like a, you know, gritty superhero origin story because it's got that slight unreality to it mm, where it's well, just too well, much. I mean, come on, yeah. The, the scene with the priest where she walks in and, like, and she's halfway through telling her son about how Peter Dinklage's character has a crush on her using a disability slur, which I'm not going to repeat. But she's like halfway through the sentence, half cut. And Lucas Hedges is great in this scene too, right? Yeah, just, he's great. That's Everybody in this is like, good. The whole piece, like Lucas Hedges, is it just he all he has to do in that scene is mostly react, and mm. his little face is amazing. He's he's very very talented. He's such a good actor. Um, he's great, and um, um. There was somebody else I was going to mention. Caleb Landry, Landry Jones. Jones is good, yeah, but that's not who it Samara, was. I thought Samara Weaving was fantastic. And well, actually, I think the best line in – oh, Peter Dinklage. Was the other and and Peter I was Dinklage going to mention. is really good too. Because he's always great. He was He's so human in everything. Like all the little reactions he has yeah. and the little facial expressions he does and all the like – hurt and anger and all that sort of stuff that flashes over his face every so often it's just so good um mm, yes he i but he gets the best line in the movie to me which is when he says penelope said baguettes yeah <laughs> which like everybody cracked up at that was brilliant yes that was yeah well because i mean it, there are funny bits in the movie and there's certainly bits that got the audience laughing and there are some that got the audience laughing really awkwardly because they didn't know what else to do but that's that, very much this the style of yeah but that one line was just Amazing, but yeah. Um, well, Peter Dinklage um, is probably the most sort of sympathetic of the characters, and he's also like an actual, like he's just a regular person in this town. He still covers up for an arson, yeah, so that he can get a date. True, um, but he, I don't know. He seems kind of realistic in this one, although, like you said, I really liked Samara Weaving's character, who's the ex-husband's new nineteen-year-old girlfriend, mm. and which they make a big fuss about. The, her ex-husband having a 19-year-old girlfriend when Woody Harrelson is married to Abby Cornish. She's clearly 20-plus years younger than him. But anyway. Um, yes, they but in look, Hollywood years, they're the same age. Yes. <laughs> but they, well, and she had so much makeup on in this movie she too, did. Abby Cornish. Like it looked weird. It was like she was airbrushed and he was Because she's supposed to be so – actually, they, they drop that a little bit when she goes to see um, – Frances McDormand she's, when she goes to see Mildred. Frankly, the last time we actually see her. So Yes, yeah. but that's it. They right. drop – like she's not as made up. It's because – I think it's because it's projecting how he sees her mm. as being like angelic and, and you know, mm. his saviour and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And then we see after he dies that she's not that necessarily. Yes. That she's just human like everybody else and she doesn't know what to do with her grief and unloads it onto Mildred even though she doesn't really blame Mildred. And, yeah. You know, like, and, and I think that's why the makeup is so heavy in the scenes where she's with Woody Harrelson, but it, it's a lot, a lot less heavy with mm. Mildred. I think a lot of those – I mean, there's a lot of things that are very kind of pointed in this movie, like the scene, which I think is another one of the best scenes in the movie, with Mildred and Sam Rockwell Dixon um, on the swings. Mm -hmm. He's like 
hunched over and we mostly see him from his unburnt side mm. and she's sitting much taller than he is even though Francis McDormand is shorter than he is. He comes um, to the door and he has his unburnt side to Yeah. Him. Yeah. They both do some really good of that that sort of stuff. There's a bit where um Francis McDormand in Caleb Landry Jones's office the second time where he's he's been like told off about the contract and he's got it told or he suddenly owes her she owes him a whole heap of money yeah. if she's got to keep the billboard if she's going to keep the billboards up she is really slouched down in that chair she's physically quite a bit lower than he is yeah. and she is also doing the slump shoulders kind of thing like um they both Sam Rockwell and um Francis and Francis McDormand it, they're just so much like real people mm. like and they're just so good yeah Caleb Landry Jones as well um the scene with him and Sam Rockwell in the hospital is amazing oh, yeah although again you're like, doesn't anybody check anything in this town before they do things? Like, clearly this so town frustrating. Yeah. And well, but that that's such a small town thing as well. Is everybody knows everybody, and the hospital's so small that you end up on the same ward with each other. Yeah, but it's it's so convenient. Yeah, it it is. But also, I don't know the small town stuff actually made the most sense to me. But if you add up all of those little conveniences, yeah. the advertising place happens to be across the road from the police station which happens to be around the road from peter dinklage's house who happens to have a crush on francis mcdormand who happens to live right above the billboards who like all of that stuff all of that stuff just adds up and adds up and adds up to the point where i was like oh, of course he's in the same hospital room as him yeah because that's this movie yeah and that is why it feels like it feels like a Netflix superhero origin story type yeah. thing, you know. That's kind of what the the sense that I got from it, where everything is convenient and everything is leading to them taking this path where they will fight injustice against women. Oh my god! <laughs> as their new superhero, yeah, you know, team. Oh boy! But that's it. Just felt that way to me. Like <clears throat> it, and and the thing is, I kind of also. I've been actively trying not to see spoilers, but I've seen them anyway because I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, people are complaining about the ending, but that's life sometimes. It doesn't give you neat results. So I kind of knew that we were never going to find out who raped her daughter. Hmm. But the thing is, this movie is so neat and it is so unrealistic in so many ways mm. yes. that I think that's why people feel cheated. Like if it was that very realistic well and it, it all works out so perfectly like things that you see come back like the badge thing he can't find his badge and it, you know, he ends up finding it and handing it in once he's cleaned up his act and the fact that his mother is so terrible and you're like oh well the apple doesn't fall far from the tree here and it's all super neat and tidy it is but his storyline to me was the best one in the movie yeah yeah um, that's why he's up for all the awards yeah right because mildred doesn't grow nope or learn Nope, she doesn't. She doesn't have an arc. And she's the main character. And and she's the main character. Yeah. And her arc is like maybe going out and becoming a vigilante anti-rapist superhero. Yeah, that's that's her arc. It's like, her superhero origin story. But Which is has, why it, 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 it actually, like the fact that it starts where it starts with her like, you know, stomping around town and deciding to buy these billboards even. Like there is no um, – we're sort of – it's a slice of her life. We're just kind of thrust into this woman's life mm. after this – the worst thing that will ever happen to her has happened to her. I and mean, they do have the moment where, you know, everything seems lost and then she gives herself a little pep talk, mm. that kind of thing, with her little bunny slippers and stuff. Mm. But, and when, but there's and not when even any Sam, consequences for anything she does no, ever. and she does some really terrible her. stuff. Yeah. Like really terrible stuff to people and 
Like it, it, it isn't. There aren't consequences. And I guess like the the turnaround moment is Sam Rockwell turning up to house and they're seeing on the swings, right? Yeah. Where he's where she's got that hope that well, I've got this guy's DNA kind of thing. Yeah. But she she continues to make stupid decisions throughout as well that result in terrible consequences for other people. Yeah, and not to her. And it's continue and cruel. She's really cruel to Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I think I mean I see what the movie's doing there because it is that kind of she's a hypocrite because mm. she also is um, right. She is ableist. Yes. And other pe- and that makes her like Sam Rockwell and then other people are racist. Sam Rockwell is racist. Yeah, yeah. Um and everything is and he th- but he does all that cuz he thinks it makes him cool. Mm. Um and that his mother will like him and things like that, you know. And he's craving um affirmation. No, he's approval? craving approval mm. from everybody and then he gets it in the posthumous note from Willoughby. Mm. And that Completely changes him. Yeah. Instantly. Like he just. Conveniently instantly. Well, you know, mm. like that that moment in the original, the first Thor movie when Thor just suddenly changes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is nice to see him change like that and then commit to that change. Mm. But then there's the scene in the bar when he gets beaten up and the black people just kind of go, oh, and don't help him. They can't. Because no, they, no, no, but they don't even call an ambulance afterwards because he goes home. That oh, yeah. was the bit that where was, I was like, yeah, because I was gonna say because I that that I guy. I completely understand. Actually, not I don't even know who that actor is, but the what went across you actually saw it go across his face. He didn't have any lines, which were, oh shit, I'm not getting involved in this white people stuff, because you saw it go across his face. Yeah. Like if I'm found in a bar fight in this town with this police force, it'll be me who's in trouble. Yeah, that was fine. I have like, no problem with that. Okay, it was yeah, the yeah. fact that he then goes home. Because I was yeah. like, oh, they'll call an ambulance at least. And then he goes home. He and I was like, home. nobody called an ambulance? Yeah. Again, it's a convenience thing. Yeah. But it's that's that's They like, never draw your tent. Yeah. But you're like, why? Right. why? I mean, I get that they hate him. They have a right to hate him. Because mm. apparently he tortured a black person in custody, which, again, we never get confirmation on. But see, he probably did it given that he threw Caleb Landry Jones out a window. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. In really violent fashion and then shoved the didn't he he punched the assistant or shoved her yeah, he or punched what? her in the face yeah um yeah and then went back to work and was very proud of himself mm. and the but also the police chief shows up watches this happen and then goes huh and then sort of wanders over to see i was like that seems like an underreaction just everybody's a reactions seem like but underreactions to I, things I, to I, me i also understood why he would be scared of this guy but yeah he's the police chief yeah the whole rest of the movie what we see is that he's not scared well, see, of these I, things no. and he <laughs> pretty immediately takes action but i also thought of um of andre brower's character in brooklyn 99 because earlier on woody harrelson talks about how if you got rid of all the racist cops you only have three left and then they'd be yeah. homophobes and i was like um i remember there's a line in brooklyn 99 about like andre brower talking about in his early career he was talking about this partner he was um he was homophobic but not racist which was pretty good in those days or something mm. um yeah i know but sort of that. he still like watches a guy get thrown out a window waits for i mean it seems like he does that and then waits for sam rockwell to come out of the building mm. watch him go into the police station and then go help caleb landry jones yeah and then he goes <laughs> into the police he's station watched sam rockwell hit caleb landry jones yeah, he again doesn't, he doesn't do anything to restrain him like you would think he would at least because he's he's drunk and also he's just, like, beaten someone up, so he's injured too. So you'd think he'd just grab him and handcuff him, but he doesn't. doesn't even do anything. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're like, 
it's also that you can see the reveal at the end that he's got a badge on his belt. And you're mm, like, mm. okay, so why didn't he do anything like five minutes earlier than yes. this? When what is happening? a policeman walked out of the police station and started... No, he, uh, he wasn't there then because the shot... Right. You can see that he wasn't there at the beginning. He's come in at some point, but he's definitely come in like mm. – so the shot goes up. We he's see from above. No, yeah. uh, and then Caleb Andrew Jones comes out the window. I can't remember if the new cop was there then, the new chief of police. I didn't see but it. But he comes back down. Sam Rockwell comes back down, steps on Caleb Landry Jones' foot, mm-hmm. kicks him, uh, hits him again. That shot is from above. And mm-hmm. then we follow him and then – the new cop is there standing Outside there the on the corner when the shot comes back down. Yes. Leaning against a wall while this is happening. I'm like, you're a police officer and you're watching a police officer assault a person in the middle of the street. Yeah. That's with no grievous bodily harm. Attempted murder. And he's supposed to be the good cop. Right. Yeah. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of brushes off the fact that this other, the guy that they thought raped Angela actually raped somebody in Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Sorry. sandy. laughs> Such a good detective. He's out of the country. It's classified as to where, but you can probably guess. Yeah, he has a commanding officer. Oh, my <laughs> Sam God. Sam Rockwell's just like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he definitely deserves to be the sidekick in the superhero um, storyline there. Uh-huh. He's not bright. And that's the thing. He's so dumb. And Zelko Ivanek is so dumb. And you're like, how do you guys get anything done? Of course, you can't find the rapist. You literally can't get. And and then it, the movie plays it like um, there's no leads. And you're like, well, yeah, but you also have idiots. But also, it's not just about if you watch enough detective shows, it's not just about DNA and, and forensics. It's about good old fashioned police work and following up leads. And like, yeah, but they don't. Guys. I mean, the, the point of it is that there aren't any. And Willoughby actually did try and do his job to the best mm. of his ability. Be like, well, how can he do the best his job to the best of his ability when there's only two other people who actually work at the police station and then a bunch of people who stand in the background and don't talk? Wearing <laughs> uniforms, yeah. Wearing uniforms because they can't pay them to, <laughs> to talk in the movie. And the two who actually do anything are both really terrible at their mm. jobs. Like, of course, you can't find anything on this case. I mean, the only way that Sam Rockwell finds anything is by literally stumbling onto it in a bar while drunk. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and after, after Woody Harrelson's told it, oh no, he tells, um, he tells Francis McDormand, doesn't he? About, oh, usually five years later, oh, you hear yeah. some guy bragging in a bar. He literally Talk tells about, him like, what to look out for. But yeah, I, I, oh my God. I know. Yeah. Although I have to say, the scene where um, Frances McDormand, uh, where um, her co-worker at the gift shop has been arrested and left a note for her, where she just strides into the police station and says, hey, fuck it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Sam Rockwell's like, yes. I'm like, I've, I've seen that in the trailers and also like I just want that gif and that is also if I ever walk into the Trump White House, what I'll be like. But I just love that scene. It just felt really kind of, I don't know, empowering. Yeah, I loved. I love so just how like steely she is in this movie, mm, mm. and all the little moments when you can see that facade crack, and when like when she's putting out the fires with her son and all that stuff, are all there's such good moments. Yeah. Um, but you see her just kind of. It's all such tiny movements when she like steals her shoulders and when she's mm. ready to go into battle and everything like that. It's all so little, mm. um, and so good. Mm. 
Yeah, she's so good. Very much deserving of all the Oscar attention she's getting. Can I also point out that there's no chemistry between Woody Harrelson and Abby Cornish? Mm. I think that's why the, that was why I was like racing to look up the age gap and stuff because I'm like, it's not just the age gap. The like actors and actresses who are 20 years apart can have chemistry, but it was like it just was weird that they would even be together. And she's using her her actual Australian accent, right? Yes. So it's not even like it's like he's met this Australian girl who's like. I don't know, out in cowboy land. Like, I'm um, what, how, what is the backstory of this thing? Yes, it's, it's odd. It's very weird. And it would, I don't know, like, it, you could have just cast somebody. Well, actually, you couldn't cast somebody who's the same age as him, could you? Because the kids are too young. Well, the, yeah, the kids are small. So she has to be younger than him. But Abby Cornish is my age. I looked it up. So, like, the kids are what, like, eight, nine? No. The younger one's about. Yeah, maybe the older one's about eight or nine. The kid, the younger one's about six. Right. So you could have cast some like the actress. So Woody Harrelson's in his mid fifties. So you could have cast an actress. You, honestly, you could actually cast someone the same age if the younger kid is eight. But if you know, you could have cast an actress like in her middle forties, middle to late forties, and it would have still worked. But you um, could it just be less likely? Then, well, you'd also be like. Why? Yeah, it, it is a bit weird. Like, why does a guy that age have kids that young? So, yeah, I guess to make it sadder that. when he dies, yeah, of his uh, when he commits suicide so that he doesn't get taken by the consumption. <laughs> he had pancreatic right. cancer. No, <laughs> I t- I'm now. telling you, he had consumption. Like, he had <laughs> the fainting, like mid 1800s lady disease in this. He coughs <laughs> up blood, like he, and he's just like. Oh, everything hurts all the time, and I am sad. It was it was <laughs> consumption. He was dying of consumption, like it's movie consumption, right? <laughs> He's the tragic figure. You know, I can't, I just can't stop laughing. Sorry. Oh my god, He's the tragic consumptive figure who dies yeah, no, halfway I, through the movie. I get it. I get yeah. it. Oh, He's the boy. damsel mm-hmm. with a heart of gold. <laughs> I just couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I know people really love this movie, and I do think it's really, I think it's a really good one to see. I think it's got I some. Yeah, it's really got- don't think it's better than a lot of the other movies we've mm. seen this year, though. No, um, I, and look- it doesn't have the maturity of a lot of, but it no. has. But I like the messages about, especially about when sometimes a heavy-handed message is what gets through to people as well. Yeah. That's why I was sort of thinking this is really good for people to see, and it's good for the times that we live in because it does explain in fairly clear and plain language using simple sort of imagery a lot of why you know what is the pervasiveness of racism and sexism and ableism and all this kind of stuff it's it's good in that sense and sometimes the the messages that get through but yeah at the same time it isn't it, do- it doesn't have any nuance about it. I can see why it's up for the acting awards. The yes, acting is the acting is amazing. Top and the concepts of anger begetting anger and and mm. cycles of violence absolutely sort of, perfect. Like you feel so frustrated that you lash out, but then you're ending up hurting a lot of people. Mm. That sort mm. of stuff. Actually, one of the the bits that I did did really like was the bit where her ex husband comes to her house and he is violent towards her, mm. and he knocks over the table and he puts her up against a wall and then the sun comes in with a knife and it all it de-escalates the situation. But it felt a lot more realistic. Like often domestic violence scenes in movies are very overwrought, but this one was like almost immediately he felt bad that he'd done it and they all kind of like they stopped and there was suddenly a very tender scene mm-hmm. where she's – And she, then it switched again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it felt very realistic because obviously the, the big pattern in domestic violence is something bad happens. The person who's done it feels terrible mm. and things 
get good for a bit and like that's how the cycle works and it, it showed it was actually that was probably the most um nuanced and well handled part yeah I, I mean there were moments that i thought were really good and i like the kind of concept that everybody's got good and bad things and mm, mm. all that sort of stuff it's just also when was this set well that's hard to say because the only reference to time is when Caleb Landry Jones says the last time anyone used one of those billboards was 1986 or something. Yeah, but that could but, mean so, it was set now, right. for all we know. And her phone at the end is like a flip phone. But again, yeah. she's not wealthy. She's not in a big town. She may not have a smartphone. Like, But that's the only time that we see a mobile phone. Yeah, and every other time people would be... call on landlines. Yeah. And I wondered the same. Like, And look at be... Angela's clothes when we see the flashback to mm-hmm. her. That doesn't look modern. But Frances McDormand's post-grief post haircut, though, is very modern. It's like, you know, a bit of an undercut happening. Yeah, but, but that's just to look cool in a movie. <laughs> right. So, I yeah, when I was thinking about I was thinking like late 90s, early 2000s. That's what I was thinking too. Um, it, That make, just makes more sense in terms of how it, yeah. I mean, she's even got a superhero like uniform because she wears that blue jumpsuit the all the time. Yeah. O- overalls all the, all the time. Mm. She's all set. She's got like the... Haircut and the, mm. you know, su- superhero Mildred Hayes mm. crossing the country and and taking out rapists. Apparently. With her sidekick, Sam Rockwell. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I've talked to people who think that everything is, ever, it, this movie is really great. Mm. I feel like it may be really great for older people. I've also heard from a lot of, like, women our age that who didn't like it, like who thought it was – and people who were are mad about the redemption of the racist and that's what's getting all the attention. But I, you're right. I, I, it's it's um, – that's what I see about the – like it's playing to the, the cheap seats, right? Yeah. And it was an older crowd that watched this because that's who watches arty movies. And I think a movie with a big, loud, beating you over the head message is sometimes good, you know, like that – Playing to the cheap seats means more people will understand it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I don't know how, I mean, looking at the redemption of the racist thing, and the reason it's getting attention is because Sam Rockwell just did a really good job. Like, I don't think that we should be downplaying how great he was in this movie. But looking at the redemption of the racist thing, he doesn't get a straight redemption. No. He just redeems himself in her eyes. Right, exactly. And tries to be a better person, right. but but then they got decide to go do a murder, and we have do a murder, and we have to sort of decide for ourselves whether or not we think that's okay. Mm. So, I mean, I think that one of the things this movie is doing is making the audience complicit, and I think that's what it's saying in that scene with mm. the the priest that when we laugh at these jokes that are at the expense of minorities, we are complicit. And when we are rooting for the person who's going to go murder somebody, we are complicit in that. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Like we are complicit in the racism and the yeah. and the homophobia and all right. that sort of stuff. If we feel relief when Caleb Landry Jones is flirting with his female assistant when everybody's assumed he's gay, are we complicit? You know, mm. like that's kind of the – I think that's what the movie is doing. Yeah. I think the movie is saying when – like bringing – it's kind of a direct address to the audience and it's saying mm. when you are doing these things, you are complicit. Mm. Whether or not that comes across perfectly, I don't know. And so, um, But it's certainly ambitious I, in that sense. Yes, and I think that 
um, definitely you can see that as a fair criticism of the movie that, that mm. it's about a redemption of a racist. Mm. Although, I, again, I don't want to take away from Sam Rockwell's performance because yeah. he's so good and he's been so good in so many movies for so long. Yes, um, and he, I, um, we were t- talking in the car. He's got one of these, like, reputations as a really decent person as well yeah. as being a really good actor. And he's, like, he's going to earn this Oscar. He's, mm. this is a body of work as much as it is this film, which he is also excellent in. But also I think... And in supporting actor things, like, there's not a lot of other ones that I thought of that I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely better. No. I think he's really terrific in this. Lead actor, I, yeah. you know, and Gary for, Oldman's going to win and I think there's other ones, other in, performances in the women's, like, that in, deserve a look in. On but. the women's side, women, like, supporting actresses is a really tight competition, but supporting actors, no, not yeah. that I've heard of. That's yeah. I think he's up against like Sebastian Stan and um Fraitonia. Fraitonia. Sebastian only... Stan will get an Oscar eventually. Yeah, I'm and sure because, of I think it, it's but probably a bit early for him. Yeah, and also because that's not quite as. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but just from the trailers, you can already tell that that's not quite as media role as this one. No, it's funny these actors that are just in everything. Uh, that guy actors, yep. not so many that lady actors. No. Because they always cast younger and younger women and they don't get as much of a chance to build up a body of work. That and there's more men accurate. in movies. Right. That's completely accurate. Yeah, well, like I said, Samara Weaving, who's like in maybe three scenes of this movie as the 19-year-old girlfriend, she's fantastic. Who is she? She's Australian. She, I, so I, I was wondering if she might be related Hugo Weaving's to Hugo daughter. Weaving. I, yeah, so she's Australian and she's fantastic. Like Penelope, this character should be like – Frances McDormand wants to hate this woman because she's a 19-year-old girl shacked up with her 50-something ex-husband and she's, like, completely adorable and you feel sorry for her, which is how it should be because this horrible guy who was abusive to his first wife has now basically gone after a really young girl who Mm. reminds him of the daughter who was murdered and she's, like, a total sweetheart in this tiny, tiny little part. And And because she's a total sweetheart in that part, the fantastic Peter Dinklage line about her Penelope saying begat or beget. <laughs> Penelope said begets. Like that works because of that. And it's just a tiny little role and she's like a relatively new coming actress. Yeah, but we know who she is when he says that. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, we already know because he's we have there to, with her. That's but the thing. We know who she is Yeah, at that point. Um that little moment when she was like, oh, about the thing, about working at the zoo, they had to let people go. And so, <laughs> oh, my God. She's so crazy. And she used to use the bathroom, right, and then she comes in right in the middle of when Yeah, that's attacked. what de-escalates. But, yeah, um, as much as anything. She's, um, yeah. she's, uh, she's Hugo Weaving's niece. He's her uncle. Cool. Well, she's um, great. She was great. And I look forward to seeing more from her. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it's like men are in movies more. Like if you think about this. There's the cops and, and, you know, the advertising guy and all that stuff. You look at Shape of Water, there's all these army people and all that sort of mm. stuff. Like, David, surprise, David Hewlett is in that movie because there's a whole bunch of extra roles for men they, to they just, be Yeah, in. that's right. Like, well, every. Zelko Ivanek, who's like yeah. a pretty well known character actor, just pops up as like the third string dumb cop in this two horse town. Yeah. So it's really quite hard to be a character actress. Yes. And it's amazing that Frances McDormand is still hanging on after all these years and doing such a great job of it. Although she's kind of interesting in that she didn't really become famous until she was into her, I would say, mid to late 30s. Yeah. Um, With Fargo, that's 20-something years ago now. Like, she was already a grown woman, like, on the verge of middle age when she first became famous. What was it? I was talking to somebody about this movie and we were sa- I was saying it's probably hard going and he's like, yeah, but all Frances McDormand's movies are hard going. And I was like, no, she's in Madeline. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, um, like there are all these character actors. I was just thinking of like Merrick Weaver, who's on TV now. There's a lot more stuff on TV, I think. Sutton Angela Foster. Bassett is on TV now. Sutton Foster, who's not. She's more like she's not so much a that girl actress as like no, a she's to me. I always see her and things. I'm like, oh, that girl. Oh, okay, I just think of. I mean, I'm always like, oh, Broadway. Mm. But um, like I am so here for the return of Angela Bassett. I've been rooting yeah. for the return of Angela Bassett for a long time. But she's on a TV show now. But there, there aren't. There aren't just like you know the quirky store owner or whatever. They yeah. just they never make those characters women. Yeah. And so there's really you, there's not very many character actresses, and I just went Margaret Martindale when yes, I think character of her actress. Too. But yeah, no, exactly. So it's it's harder. Yeah, it's, we, we've um, gone slightly off topic. You I know. Dog to walk. I was just interested. Mm. Anyway, I better go. I have stuff to do. Yes, um, we have to rate this movie, which is going to be difficult, but go for it. I'm going to give three billboards. I'm going to say three and a half stars. I'd say three stars, except I think the acting is so good that it pushes it up the extra half star for me. I'm giving it three and a half also because I do think this is an ambitious film. I don't yeah. think it carries it off as well as it could, but I think it's worth seeing and I think it's – I like that it was made as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. But I hope that that Martin McDonough stops relying so much on jokes about people he's not making movies about. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find old episodes or the show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and um, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.